your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. This is Hour 3 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... Big Dog Sports Talk Power Hour. Sunny, temperatures around 60, the way God intended for wintertime. Thanks to Andy Bitter. In our previous segment, Dwight Vick is well coming up. But as we've been previewing all morning, leading off hour number three, talking Virginia Tech women's basketball with the terrific guard who can score from anywhere on the court. Her name is Georgia Amor. Georgia, how are you? Good morning and welcome to the program. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, we had to play a little bit of Gladys Knight for you this morning to welcome you in a little bit. <laughs> You're very metallic right now coming through. I don't know what's going on, by the way. Your voice is uh, its kind of a strange little... I don't know if it's uh, something with your phone. What do you got? For yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a real metallic-y voice right now. I don't know if you're on a headset or something. Um, something sounds a little strange right now. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> maybe can I get you to call right back? Maybe that'll work at six three nine forty nine hundred. Call me back. Well, there you go. Maybe that worked right there. What you got right there? Nothing. <laughs> hey, that's that's it right there. There, now we got you. Now we got you. I don't know what that was before, but it was like some kind of mechanical monster overtook your soul. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. Hey, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Well, a lot of folks have been wanting to hear from you. First of all, congratulations on the big win uh, down in Raleigh. Big Monday night, and boy, oh boy, that was a high octane game. Take us through that and what it meant to get that first win down in Raleigh against the Wolfpack. Yeah, you know, it's getting that time of the season where every win matters, and especially on the women's side. So many upsets, so many losses, and the the standings and the ladders, it's all just a big clump of teams right now. So the more wins you get, the more separation you get, and we knew that this was going to be a big win for us in terms of seeding and standings, but it's always a good win when you beat NC State 
and when you beat them at home, which we hadn't experienced yet, but we we really wanted to, sir. Well, and, and take us through, I mean, this season, so many expectations, Georgia, on your squad, and rightfully so, uh, so much talent. Uh, you added uh, some really key players as well. How do you feel like the group, you being a leader on this team, how do you feel like the group has handled being, you know, the target, having that bullseye on your back every night? Yeah, I mean, we obviously have a lot of talent, and whenever people play us, I feel like they have their best game, which rightfully so, as you said, we have that target on our back. But um, we honestly had to flip our mindset from being the targeted to being the targeters because um, we have to come out with that aggression. And especially in this conference, you know, as I said, a lot of upsets happened, a lot of ran- – no, I wouldn't say random wins, but it's the teams who are grit who have grit and the teams who are fighting a lot, they're the ones that are pulling away with a win. So I I fully believe that's why we pulled away with the win against State because we just showed more toughness and we wanted it more, and that's just how it is. So, yes, we have a target on our back, but we flipped our mindset and we're out there hunting people now. Well, I mean, you and your your teammates are so much fun to watch, Georgia, because you really just generally love playing with one another, don't you? I see a lot of smiles out there. The communication, I mean – this is a really tight-knit group, isn't it? Yeah, it's wonderful. Like, on the court, uh, you know, T-Soul, she's the most athletic person I've ever seen in my life. How could you not smile at some of the stuff she does? <laughs> and, you know, Kayana Trailer, when we had that game against UVA, she took that game over. So, it's, it's, I forget, I don't forget I'm on the court sometimes, but I give the ball to them and I watch them go to work, and I'm like, wow. Like, <laughs> I'm amazed at the athleticism right now. Georgia Amor joining us on the program. Virginia Tech guard as the Hokies get ready to take on Florida State again this weekend. Uh, well, I think you were bringing a lot of wows, Georgia, from the crowd and people that were watching. You were making it rain on uh, Monday night. Uh, of course, your shooting uh, capabilities, uh, uh, without saying, are some of the best in the country. But can you take us through that? I want to get inside the mind of a player like yourself who's so good, but What's it mean when those shots start falling like that? Because you could have hit one from, I don't know, 30 feet the other night. <laughs> um, there's no specific feeling. I just get really dialed in. And I think I quoted it on ACC Network, but I honestly just black out. <laughs> like any single <laughs> bit of space I see, I'll put it up and I have confidence in myself, especially if I've hit the previous couple. But I'm not going to lie, I had a bit of a slow start against State, so... It was also the point in time where I was like, enough of this. Like, I'm not going away without at least putting in a decent fighter effort. So, yeah, that was a bit of the thought process. But after that, I can't really remember much. Well, that's a great point, right? You don't want your, your, your last time through potentially there at that place. Maybe if it is, if it's not, whatever. But you want to go out there and give your best effort, right? Especially in front of a sold-out crowd who would die for NC State. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's talk about uh, Liz Kitley a little bit because obviously an All-American and uh, we've had her on the program and, you know, what she gets inside and out, a large part of what you and the guard, the rest of the guards can contribute. Can you talk about that understanding that you have to make this offense work? Coach Brooks, who's been on, talks about that, how you just have a great understanding of any team that he's ever had of what's supposed to happen in that offense. Yeah, we have issues if we don't give her the ball. <laughs> she spreads us out so much, and she she scores so much. But not only that, she you know she sets a lot of good screens for me. She helps me. She just honestly, I think we forget how vital she is for us sometimes. Um, especially you know when we when she missed those few games against UVA or whatever. Like 
that I think that's when we felt it the most. Even though we pulled away with the win, I probably did. We, I at least sometimes take her for granted because when she's not on the court, it feels <laughs> like a massive difference. Georgia Amor joining us on the program, Virginia Tech guard. She came down with 27 points in the big win against NC State. And this uh, little stretch here, five straight games, Georgia, against fellow ranked teams. I mean, this is kind of a murderer's row, but I think it works out pretty well. What has Coach Brooks told you about this schedule now as you guys get ready to finish up here at the end of the regular season, hopefully on a tear going into the ACC tournament? Yeah, that's the narrative. Everyone's saying that we have all these games against ranked opponents, but we're ranked two. Um, and, it, like, anything can really happen. We have three of them at home, and I am in full belief that a home crowd changes a lot of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we finish it up on a swing trip. So we really just have to take it one game at a time. We can't get ahead of ourselves because these teams are deadly. Like Florida State we have coming up, you know, they've had some really good wins. Um, But they're also beatable if we play the right way and we play hard and we scout really well. So anything can happen, but it's really just one possession at a time. Well, Georgia, let me ask you, um, let's, let's just, just kind of review quickly your journey from, uh, from Australia. You played on the Australian national team at different levels as you were growing up, becoming a good player. You played uh, at the under-16 team. Talk about your journey, if you would, from Australia to play for Kenny Brooks' squad here in Blacksburg. Yeah, so I feel like it's a long story. That's okay. Hey, <laughs> no problem. Sure. We, got, we got time. <laughs> I um, got on an Australian team. My first one was an Asia qualifying team. So the way that works is you play in your regions, and then if you win the tournament, you get to qualify for the world tournament pretty much. Mm-hmm. So we won that, qualified for the world tournament. We played the world tournament in Belarus, which is where Coach Brooks and a few of his staff were there as well. And from what I what, what I heard, they were there looking for another girl, and then they saw me, and I guess they just fell in love. <laughs> That's a jerk. But... Um, <laughs> We just continued conversations since then, and I had an NBA Academy um, camp in Tampa, Florida, in 2019, and they were there too because I was at the Final Four. Um, so that was just another chance for them to watch me in person, which is really hard as an international student unless you want to pay big money to come over and play in tournaments. And um, I guess, honestly, it was just really good luck and just right place, right times, um, and I'm grateful for it. And... Coach Rad was really big in my recruitment, too, because she got in contact with, I guess, an Australian, and they hooked me up with her. So that was huge in that, too. So basically you're telling me it was love at first sight for Coach Brooks when he saw you. That's exactly what you just were breaking news here on the program. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just the, the stars aligned. They really did. <laughs> George Amor joining us on the program as Virginia Tech uh, continues to build momentum now here toward the end of the regular season. Um, a lot of people are sending text messages in for you. Uh, you know what Vegemite is, right? Like the minute work song? What do we got here? What's a Vegemite sandwich? It's magnificent. It's a spread. I would say you have to get used to the taste, but I've been eating it since birth, mm-hmm. so I'm very used to it. Yeah. Um, it's like a salty wheaty spread but you just put that on toast or as you said in a sandwich um i honestly like to add cheese to it it balances that really well so it works as a spread and it can also be the main component then of like say in instance a sandwich or something like that 
Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Is that part of your training it's table? Like a gym, I guess. <laughs> okay. I got you. Is that part of your uh, training table here in Blacksburg? <laughs> Are you able to get any of that coming from Australia? Um, I had a few jobs, but they have run out. So when I go home, I'll have to restock. <laughs> and uh, everybody asked me to uh, ask you about Winnie. Yes. Well, okay. Tell me about My Winnie. Child. Yeah, yeah. Your Winnie is your your first child. Tell us about Winnie. <laughs> Not a human child. Putting right. that up there now. She is a dog. Right. She. I got her during COVID, and she really helped because I was. I don't want to say stuck in a bad term, but I really was. I wasn't allowed to go home. I was living here for a while, mm-hmm. and um, just needed that bit of family. Really, I had family in the Kitleys, but you know, just having something that I could take care of and. You know, she would be there for me no matter what because she's an animal and she doesn't care if I yell at her or something. She's always <laughs> going to love me. So I love Winnie. Yes, she's my baby. Georgia Amore joining us on the program. We're talking Virginia Tech women's basketball. Just a couple more questions, Georgia, and we'll let you go. And appreciate you spending time. Um, we'll talk about your family a little bit. How does that interaction go now throughout the weeks, and how often are they able to catch all of your games and so forth? Yeah, so they'll the games are obviously early for them because we play them not late at night, but – in the around like six seven time, um, I usually have to send them like a YouTube link or a Dropbox link or something. But the game against State was actually shown on a program at home called Ko, which is pretty much like our not ESPN, but like you have to buy it to watch a lot of sports, college sports. Sure. So that was good because it was live, and a lot of people, not only just my family at home, could watch that. Um, I still suck at calling them consistently, but I'll text them every so often. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, you know, I feel like that's just your kids when they get independent. I don't want to defend myself, but. No, no, it happens. You're right, especially when you're so far away from home. <laughs> what, was basketball, was that part of, did your family have that in their history? Or is that just something that you picked up younger and you realized that you love the game? Absolutely not. My dad played Aussie rules football and cricket, and my mom played netball. So a couple of the most like Commonwealth sports you could uh, ever imagine right. that don't exist in America. <laughs> um, and then my cousin played basketball, and I just saw her play one day, and I joined in, and I never stopped. Well, finally, let me ask you, how have you found Blacksburg, Virginia? The contrast, is it comparable at all to any places where you grew up? And uh, how much has this really truly become your new home while you're here in, at Virginia Tech? Yeah, so I grew up in Ballarat, but I didn't live in the town. I lived on a farm. My mom um, worked with horses, and my grandpa was a trainer and stuff like that. So we lived on a horse farm. And honestly, like, just like the, I don't want to say vast, but like the trees and the the bush and all like the greenery that's really resembling of home. Mm -hmm. And especially when I'm driving on the highway, I'm seeing like cows and horses. Like, I I did see that a lot. Specific to where my house was. so yeah, it was it wasn't like a huge shock to me. Like I, I, I didn't grow up in a dense city, um, and I can really ap- appreciate just like the peace and calmness because, especially with basketball, we get so absorbed and the days move quick and the weeks I lost count of. But just for it to be like calm outside of the town, like that really helps me. Well, you're a two-time ACC All-Academic uh, honoree, made the All-Academic team honor roll when you wake up every day and you're thinking just basketball what does georgia amore need to do today for instance to become a better player than she was yesterday um wake up knock all of my homework out for the rest of the week <laughs> go in watch film extra shots practice 
and weights, pretty much everything. And I'm, I'm pretty much locked in, as our whole team is, for about five hours at the facility, not doing like anything like we're there for a long time. <laughs> we are really there for a long time. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. And finally, about Coach Brooks. I know I keep saying finally, but I keep thinking these other things. Can you talk about that relationship that's developed since uh, he fell madly in love with you over in Australia as a player? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, I – that man has, like, changed my life on the court and off the court. If I didn't come over here, I would not be nearly as good of a basketball player as what I am or aspire to be. And that's the best part is, like, it, the feeling doesn't stop. Like, he always is finding ways to expand my game and push me and – there's things I'm doing on the court that I never imagined I would have done before I came here. So mm-hmm. really appreciative for that. And then just off the court, especially during this time in my life, I feel like I'm living alone to say, I mean, I'm living around people, but I'm really living alone and I've gone through ups and downs and he's been there the whole time to, I don't want to say like protect me, but guide me. Like he, he's let me fall, but you know, always let it pick me up. So well, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's a terrific thing to see how you've developed here since you've gotten to Virginia Tech. And want to congratulate you on all your success so far. I know the story, though, is not close to being completed. This team still has a lot to accomplish, and I know you still have a lot to accomplish. And I do appreciate you, Georgia, taking the time to come on this morning. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. All right, well, listen, best of luck the rest of the way, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Stay safe and uh, stay healthy out there. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot. That's Georgia Amore, Virginia Tech women's basketball, joining us on the program. Great stuff from her. Great story there, how she got from Australia to Blacksburg. And tell you what, uh, it's so much fun. When you see a player like that totally locked in the way she was, well, she is most nights, but the way she was against NC State. Appreciate her taking the time. We'll take a break. We'll come back. More coming up here on a Thursday. Don't go away. The absolute best sports talk in the New River Valley, period. And you can quote us on that. That's the fact, Jack! That's the fact, Jack! More Big Dog next on WRAD. A ton of reaction from uh, the Georgia Amor interview. She was great. So the way you see her out there playing and the way you see that smile and that freeness, that's how she is. I mean, there's absolutely nothing but genuineness coming from her. She was terrific. She was terrific. And uh, she was great. She stayed on during the break because she felt so bad about her phone. And I said, look, it's no problem. We just uh, We get that a lot. But I said it kicked out. It was only about 30, 45 seconds, and then you were fine. So everything was great. So we appreciate that. And thanks to uh, Carter over at Tech and uh, Tech Women's Basketball. Big game coming up, obviously, this weekend against Florida State. We'll have some tickets tomorrow, by the way. More tickets. We had the ones from Louise, and we got more coming up. We got some pairs of tickets to give away tomorrow for the women's game on Sunday against FSU. Good test for this team. Five straight uh, fellow ranked teams, as she said. You know what? We just we just go about our business, do our thing. They seem really locked in, and they are a very fun group and a very easy group to pull for, uh, especially by their head coach as well. Terrific, terrific stuff. All right. So um, speaking of terrific stuff, we're about to step away, and we come back. Dwight Vick's going to join us, and we had a lot of people who. 
have asked me in the past, and I haven't done it a whole lot, to ask Dwight about when he was at Tech. Like, we've talked about culture. I'm going to follow it up this week with when he got to campus, what were some of the things that he can remember, you know, when he got there and said, you know what, I'm going to end up playing for Frank Beamer, right? I want to ask him about the culture he ran into and what some of the things that developed because he wanted that first redshirt year. The journey into Dwight Vick and his amazing career in Blacksburg, I think, is uh, worth revisiting. He'll join us next. We hope you're well wherever you might be. Thanks again to Andy Bitter, Georgia Amor. We're rolling along here on a Thursday. This is Stephen A. Smith, and you're listening to the Big Dog Sports Talk with my man Rick Watson. 25 minutes for the top of the hour. Thanks again to uh, Andy Bitter and Georgia Amor. She was terrific. People still reacting. Joining us now on the program, we always get constant reaction when our next guest is on the program. He is the former all-conference performer at Virginia Tech, founder of Victory Life. He's got three podcasts, and he helps out the people of this country on a daily basis. His name's Dwight Vick. DV, how are you? Good morning. I'm good, man. I'm great. Great to be back on. Well, it's great to have you on, and uh, so much uh, to talk about, so much to get into. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to go back, because we last week we had a great conversation. We had so many people responding how you viewed the right kind of culture, and that uh, culture needs to come before winning, and I couldn't agree more. Can we go back to when you were coming out of high school and you were so highly recruited, you were such a dominant high school player, and you got to Blacksburg, and, and just take us through, if you can, what was going through your mind on the visit and what kind of impressed you the most, and when did you start to realize that, hey, you know what, this is a place and a culture I want to be part of? Yeah, that's a great question, Rick. You know, every time um – you know, when I get asked that question throughout my life, especially the older I get, the more I realize it was meant for me to be there. And um, it's one of the best decisions I've made in my life. Um, it, it was interesting, man, because I had a lot of offers, didn't take a lot of visits, and um, I was probably more um, strategic in the fact that I knew what I wanted as far as, you know, being comfortable in the school, but, you know, I was a young kid, like more so young than what the kids, you know, coming out, even the peers I, I was playing alongside in, in high school were. Meaning that when I graduated high school, I was 17. So early part of my red shirt year, my first year at Tech, I was still 17. Where now, like, perspective, my son is 16 as a junior. He'll be 17 in May, and his senior year he'll be uh, 18 when he graduates, like a lot of kids. Where, at, you know, at Tech, I was 17. Many of my teammates, their first year were 18, some 19. So I was a little bit, you know, looking back, and I've been told this, you know, I was more mature beyond my years than an average 17-year-old. Um, credit my parents, uh, educators, and my father's a minister, so <clears throat> I was well-grounded. Mm-hmm. Tech was cool, man. Um, I think I just felt comfortable. I mean, I think... You know, I remember going to my visit and, um, you know, went to some parties. I remember that Saturday morning we got up and went to Castle. Uh, I believe uh, 
Virginia Tech was either playing Louisville or VCU or somebody because they were in the Metro Conference right. back then. Yeah, right. Um, and it was weird. I didn't even know anything about it because I was not a Virginia Tech basketball or even a football fan at the moment. I was just kind of just looking at colleges like East Carolina, UVA, uh, something close to home or something in the Mid-Atlantic where I thought I was going to you know, be comfortable. But everything was perfect, man. If you talk to a lot of people from my era, even since I played, even the Greg Strowmans and guys after I played, they'll tell you the same thing. Um, when you get to Tech, even the kids that picked uh, Penn State or Florida State and Tech in a second, they still say the same thing where you feel comfortable. And, you know, I felt like Beamer – and the coaches there were going to take care of me. Um, I just felt comfortable, man. Like, um, Billy Height and everybody made me feel like I was supposed to be there. And it wasn't just like that manufacturing car salesmanship. Hey, hey, how you doing? Yeah, right. we're going to take care of you. It wasn't all of that. It was just more so it just felt right, man. It was a, you know, this is 1994. <laughs> it was a beautiful campus. Then it's even more immaculate now. So those are things I felt, man, just feeling like I was supposed to be there, like I was at home. And that genuineness is who those folks were, right? Everyone that I talked to and interviewed and we had on the show and got to know, all those guys really appreciated what they were tasked with trying to build that program. I never got a sense from talking to any of those people, any of those coaches, I mean, especially from the top down, that there was ever one time where I was just fed a line or they weren't sincere. And you're just talking about you felt that immediately, didn't you? Yeah, and I think this is why I try to – I don't argue with as many Twitter – followers or interact as much about this topic anymore but I think what I keep trying to stress to casual or diehard football or basketball just tech fans is you can think the NIL deal is going to change the perspective of student athletes choosing Virginia Tech I've always said and I've been going on record been consistent is to get tech guys you got to get tech guys and what I mean is you can try to recruit sometimes a kid, whether he's high-profile or low-profile. It's really about the campus and the culture and the relationships in that building and around campus that's going to sell it. It's not going to be like kids love the facilities. They love the locker room and all of that. But what's so funny is after three to five years, it's not yours. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, 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 it's Virginia Tech. So kids will say, hey, I would love to play there. It's the stadium. It's the fans. It's, you know – can I really get a great meal here? Will I be able to meet my future wife? Um, am I going to be able to become who I am? Am I going to be comfortable traveling around the surrounding areas? Those are the things kids still look at in 2023. And and that's what it's about. Like, yes, jerseys, they love it. They love trying it on and squatting and throwing up the two fingers or the three fingers <laughs> or whatever sign. They love you know, filling the uniform and looking at the um, 19,000 uniform combos we have. But I'm telling you right now, even now, it's really like this is a really great place to be. And, you know, I've, I've gone on record and I said pride is very reminiscent of what, uh, excuse me, who the coaches I played for because he was there in the beginning. And, you know, we talked to some of the guys coming in now, like Caleb Woodson and Braylon Johnson from Holland Springs, uh, future players. They feel that way. They feel the same way I did 20-something years ago. And fans will tell you, oh, well, you know, Duke's doing this. Or this. It, it, listen, speaking of Duke, it's the same thing <clears throat> when you talk to people who choose Duke in basketball or when Cutcliffe was there in football or people that talk about why they chose 
um, you know, a school like Penn State. I think there's a certain group of universities where the campus, the culture, and the environment um, will sell the school and reinforce what you want for that student athlete. Not to dismiss schools like Miami or Georgia Tech that are in high-profile cities like Atlanta and South Beach, Miami. It's just that I think sometimes when talking to players and knowing kids that choose it, those kids are more built for those areas and want to be there. I was a low-key guy. I wanted to be somewhere where I could feel safe and grow. And um, like I said, I was 17, but I was thinking that way. He is Dwight Vick joining us on the program, the former all-conference performer on that offensive line for Virginia Tech. Um, And you talk about your maturity. And and I think, if I'm not mistaken now, didn't you say that you embraced the redshirt opportunity, didn't you? Because you wanted to get bigger and better, and you wanted to see and understand the offense. Can you talk about that? Because a lot of guys, Dwight, don't have that maturity as a 17-, 18-year-old coming into a place like Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's not just tech. It's all over the country yeah. in football and basketball. And, I mean, look, you know, it's funny. I wanted a red shirt. My cousin was fine with red shirt. And Mike Vick, the great Mike Vick. You know, a lot of players are okay with red shirt because if you got your head screwed on straight and you understand the complexity of just walking off a high school graduation stage and walking into a locker room and starting or contributing, you better be not just in extreme physical condition, but you also have to be in extreme mental health. Like, meaning, like, you have to have the mental capacity to take on the concepts of going from high school football to college. And, um, you know, back then in 94, uh, the red shirts and the freshmen and the walk-ons reported early, and then the varsity reported, like, a week later. And I remember I was having a good camp with just the freshmen uh, or the the newcomers. And then when um, Hank Coleman and Cornell Brown and J.C. Price and Mario Cesezo and those guys showed up, it was very clear to me that I was not ready to play. And I was okay with that. Um, at the time, I had a girlfriend that went to Radford. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get used to campus. I'm going to get used to this academics. Um, I'm just going to enjoy it. And I practiced. And um, I was learning a scheme. And I was getting my butt kicked. And I understood that I was not ready. But it was okay. And the crazy thing is, <clears throat> you may have heard me talk about this on other platforms, they almost burned my red shirt because um, Damian McMahon, uh, the longtime starter at, at the guard position, pulled in hamstring and got injured. And then Jared Hamlin and his backup went to the ones, and they put me with the two. So there was a five-week stretch where I traveled as a red shirt like you see quarterbacks do. Mm-hmm. Rarely does any other position uh, where a player travels as a red shirt and not play. They did that. Beamer pulled me up. So I was traveling as a red shirt. Um, and also, you know, getting a feel and going against the guys in the two deep, which was still a brutal grind. Um, but it was cool because I saw how it was. I remember going to Syracuse and and, and as a 18-year-old, just, wow, like I'm in the carrier, though. Um, so it was actually good to see that. And then the following year, I played a significant amount of reps. I lettered, had a chance to start, and then my red shirt sophomore, I mean, um, Whatever year came after that, my redshirt sophomore, junior year, whatever I started. So um, it was cool, man. But it, it, I, having a mindset, knowing you need a redshirt, is a maturity thing. I think kids now, because of social media, because you know you have so much coverage in high school, and I will say I get it because a lot of these kids are stronger and more mentally prepared. I was talking to uh, Kayla Woodson's mom last night, 
the team we played, that's Battlefield is where he's coming from. That's where he goes. And she said, you know, he's already in talks with the coaches. You know, he's, he's learning the scheme. He's still in high school. So, I mean, they're ahead of the game. Like, I think the most we got back in 94 was they just sent us the conditioning book. Um, they didn't send out the playbook. And, you know, we didn't have all the digital warfare that these kids now have now. Well, and is that what you see going forward as well? I mean, you're kind of dealing with it now with your son on a basketball side, but the evolution of these young men and and women, they are more prepared, aren't they, like you say, that because it has – it has kind of gotten a much faster, that learning curve. Some more guys are able to come in and contribute immediately as an 18- or 19-year-old. I think, I think you have more physical resources to prepare you for the next level, as well as I think, you know, we just had, you got a thing in the 90s, man, you had encyclopedias and you had, like, you know, NBC, ABC, CBS. I don't even think Fox. Fox might have just came out. Um you didn't have – ESPN was out, but it was – if you go back and look at those tapes, it was pretty much – they were still trying to figure out how they were going to cover sports. So you didn't have, like, all these shows and ESPNU. And you got to remember, um, <clears throat> excuse me, high school sports didn't really get started being televised on national TV until really the LeBron James era. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even a guy like Mike Vick and Ronald Curry, two of the best of all time out of Virginia, weren't really being covered nationally other than your Tom Lemming report or, you know, other publications. You didn't have rivals in 247. So these kids kind of see now, you know, in high school as underclassmen, okay, if I'm going to go to tech, I'm going to go to this school, um, I got to be six to whatever, whatever weight. And I need to be able to bench this. I need to be able to run this. And you have more trainers. You have more GNCs. Again, GNC came out while I was at Tech. So these resources are more available to them. And then you have a lot of guys that played the game that go back and train and even some coach. Yeah, you're right. I think, what was it? It was Prep Star Magazine, maybe, or something like that. You're right. Back then, it wasn't your – no rivals, none of that stuff going on. And I remember – Prep Star Magazine, right? It's yeah, like Prep it. Star, Street and Smith. <laughs> Street and Smith was a big one. Uh, Sporting News. You just and, and it was just basically pictures, still yeah. pictures. It yeah. wasn't like you had all these resources. Well, it's a very interesting uh, thing because, again, um, it's I, I know kids are more physically developed, Dwight, but I think from the mental side, I wish we had more maturity in some of these decisions, and that's where – you know, I'm all about, look, I'm, I'm looking at this whole NIL thing. Tech just got a great story from this kid from VMI who's paying his way through NIL opportunities. That's where the NIL really helps because Tech said, look, we don't have a scholarship for you, but he still wanted to play here. I mean, I hope that the maturity of the kid like you had doesn't always get swayed by the dollar signs in their eyes, right? That's the one thing I am worried about. I think, I think the maturity – is rare. You look at a kid like Jalen Hurst, I should call him a young man now, um, that's playing uh, Sunday, how he got benched on national TV in the national championship and still, still cheered for his team. And then he didn't complain and stayed the following year and supported him as a backup and came in in a game when Tua got hurt and made the play to win the game. And then he went to Oklahoma. I mean, you just you don't see those kind of stories. Unfortunately, this is not me taking shots at the younger guys because – I have a young son and two daughters, but I think I know because all the work I do with juveniles, student athletes and just non-athletes, 
the sense of urgency is there as far as entitlement and what I can get, how long I can get it, how much I can get. But the lack of commitment and understanding the dedication that needs to be displayed to get that is what is lacking compared to the 80s and 90s, early 2000s. These kids know I can get this and this and this. Well, I got to wait. Okay, you're not going to play me? Hey, Dad, tell Coach such and such we out. Mm -hmm. Or we're just going to post on Twitter, oh, my talents aren't being utilized. Thank you, Virginia Tech, for your love and support. But I'm going here to your rival in the same conference and division. That is different, man. And I'm not going to knock a kid or young woman or young man for doing that. But I think the patience and understanding the process is different because we are saturated and we are saturated with the rewards without really pushing the commitment and dedication it takes to get those rewards. Where kids are already prophesizing and fantasizing about being the next whatever, we did that. But at the same time, we knew it was instilled in us you have to do this. You have to do that. And um, it's not so much everybody's got to go to college and do whatever. It's just more so you cannot skip out on hard work. And that's the only thing I think is lacking at times with this these group of kids versus what I was coming up. Yeah, very, very well said. Hey, one final thought before I let you go. Who you got this weekend? You like the Eagles? You like Jalen Hurts? You talk about that? Or you like Patrick Mahomes? Who you got? I've been on the Eagles bandwagon all year. I'm not. A, I don't have a favorite NFL team, but I, I felt early, early in the season. I loved how Philly looked. I've been with them. I've been a believer. I think Mahomes is. I want to say next Brady, but I think he's going to on that same trajectory. But at the same time, like I've been saying, what Brady did was remarkable and probably never going to be seen again. And I think Philly just has some, something special going with them. Um, things are going their way as well. And I think Jalen Hurts is a great story. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think the story in that game is going to be their defense. But I still think a lot of points are going to be scored. But I like Philly. I really do. Um, but, again, if Mahomes wins, that's two. And I think, you know, um, he, could, he could start getting his thing going like Brady. But at the same time, um, I, I just like Philly. Um, I think, you know, I don't think it's going to be like that whole Philly special magic they had with Nick Foles. I no, think no. this is going to be a methodical game where they make the right plays. And I think their defensive line is really, really elite. I th I've said this, and I'll say this on your show as well. The game within the game, the story that's not being talked about, which will decide this game, is the LOS, the line of scrimmage. Philly and Philly's offensive and defensive line will tell this story. Same thing with Kansas City's. It's not the quarterback. It's not the playmakers. It's going to be their offensive and defensive line, just like in college football. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All that pass rush the Chiefs got against the Bengals may not be that available against this unbelievable Philly offensive front. And and it figures you, right, all-conference guy who look at the offensive line. I'm not shocked by that. <laughs> I watch it, man. It's so funny. Hey, Rick, I tell you, I've been on the Philly. Their offensive line, the other Kelsey, a center getting to the second level. If you look at the RPOs and runs they have, their offensive line gets to the second level, and that is crucial because when linebackers are being blocked and pushed, it gives Philly a, a really chance to kind of keep that drive going. And they do that little new age quarterback sneak, and they, you know, it's 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 deceiving because Philly is not an explosive offense, but they are. It's just not like the Chiefs where they can just rattle off points. They just kind of beat you into submission, and um, I just hope it's a great game. Sometimes these games are. Uh, an, an egg, or the game is good, but the commercials lay an egg. I want the whole day to be great. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed with you 100%. We need and deserve that kind of entertainment for three, four Absolutely. hours. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, sir. Yep, we sure do. 
All right, brother, listen, great insight as always. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again next week. You too. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. There you go. That's uh, the great Dwight Vick. Great stuff from him all the way around. I like Philly too. I'm going with Philly. All right, we'll take a final break. Come back, wrap it up. Talk about tomorrow's show as well. Don't forget tonight, Dedman Center, ESPNU, Radford University, Gardner-Webb. Come out and see us. Let's pack the Dedman Center. Gardner-Webb's won the last four inside Dedman. Let's see if we can get a great crowd in there to help change that tonight as Radford tries to win its 10th straight. More coming up. We've heard the other guys, and frankly, we've heard enough. Now shut that door and get the hell out of here! The grown-ups are talking, so sit down and listen. Yeah, that's right. Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson returns next on the WRAD Talk Network. Great stuff today. Thanks to Andy Bitter, Georgia Amor, and Dwight Vick. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope to see you tonight at the Deadman Center. Bradford, Gardner-Webb. Come by and see us. Can't make it out? Tune in. 6.30 on the pregame, 7 o'clock. Right here on WRED, myself and Cole Wilder. We'll see you tomorrow on the finally Friday edition. Take care. Center for. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.